Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, all you mamas. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad you all made such an influence in all of our lives. And you know, I think a lot of times we do a mistake because we think, well, you know, once I turn 18, I don't need my parents. I don't need my mom anymore. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like even the older you get, the more you realize you still need them. And that's what we want to look at this morning a little bit. You know, the Bible has got a lot of really great role model women in the Bible. It's got some bad ones too. You know, you look at uh, Sarah, you look at uh, Mary, Jesus's uh, mother, you look at uh, Hannah, Samuel's mother. You see these great women in the Bible, and then you see the Jezebels that are in there. And the thing is, I really believe that, you know, when we look at God's word, One of the things that God's Word does is, first of all, it shows us our need for a Savior. The Ten Commandments, the law of the Old Testament, was never meant to justify us. It was meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. And so understanding that, and that's what really the book of Galatians is about, it says it was the schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. In other words, if I didn't know where I was violating God's word, I wouldn't realize my need for a savior. And so this is one of the things that God does in his word, is he shows us not only who we are, we're sinners, in desperate need of a savior. And remember, sinning doesn't make you a sinner. Sinning proves what we are, okay? But the thing is, the Bible also tells us what our potential is. Now, I like that because, again, I like to know what we're capable of. I mean, any guy here, if you are into racing, car, hot cars, whatever, you like to know what the performance can be. They have dynamometers that you put your car on to find out how much horsepower they put out. And you had the fuel injection. Well, you did this and did that. And you put a turbocharger on it. And now it's added another 50 horsepower. We go, wow, that is potential to get a lot of tickets. But the point is, is that we go to God's word and God's word tells us what we're capable of. You know, I know a lot of people have always been put down in their life. Some, unfortunately, sometimes people, school teachers, you'll never be anything. You're a goofball. You're this, you're that. And they never, ever, ever tell them what they are capable of doing. Now, I don't believe our capabilities can be found in ourselves, friends. The Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. But I believe with God's help, When we're born again, when Jesus comes in and changes us, there's a change that happens and God begins to reveal to us what we're capable of. And when we look in the Bible, and this morning, if you have them, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to them, to the book of Proverbs chapter 31. And in this chapter, we find Solomon writing to his kids. And what I really like about the book of of Proverbs is it's how we as King's kids should operate in a world contrary to the Spirit of God. And understanding God's value, what God exemplifies as a great woman, a great mom, versus what the world says. 
And so in this chapter, chapter 31, if you look at the very first verse here in, in chapter 31, he said, the words of King Lemuel, which means dedicated to God, the utterance which his mother taught him. His mom taught him these things. Now, I like that because what we're going to read about here, as we start really in verse 10, that if his mom that taught him these things was not reflecting these things, Samuel could have said, my mom's a hypocrite. Or excuse me, Solomon could have said, my mom's a hypocrite. But his mom taught him these things and exemplified them for him in what a great mom is. You know, I, and I think it's really interesting that in the Bible, we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And generally through the entirety of the Bible, it's always in the masculine form. Now there's a couple times where the Bible talks about uh, a God in, in a feminine type way, but generally speaking, it's always in a masculine form, the man side, okay? You know, ladies, I think uh, God gave you quite a role to represent that soft side of life, that womanly side of life. You know, the Bible says that God um, took out of man and created woman. And I believe that everything that a man isn't is what a woman is. And I believe everything a woman isn't, the man is. I know it gets all jumbled up today in a very, very screwed up society that we call living. But in the original, and when we go back to what the Bible says, God designed the family unit to work and operate as a fine-tuned mechanism. And I don't care whether you're looking at interpersonal relationships Uh, All these things, God designed them, and he designed them to work within his parameters. And when we look at the roles of moms and roles of women in the church, in the world today, we find that globally women are generally put down. Jesus was the greatest liberator of women ever to come along up to that time. When you still look where Christ has not gone and into many religions, women have to wear their burkas. They have to walk 15 paces behind their husbands. Jesus didn't keep women back. He elevated them. He moved them forward. And everywhere Jesus has gone in our world, you find women have been elevated. And it's an incredible thing. When we look at this, We're going to look here at Proverbs 31, starting at verse 10. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for all the moms that are here, all those that are listening. And God, how you have given them a unique place in being able to reflect to us, God, that tenderness that you have. As we read these words today that were spoken, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would now speak to us. Show us what our potential is, what we need to be valuing in this world rather than what the world says is value. In Jesus' name, amen. The world has a different value system than we as Christians. I think you don't have to look very far to see that. This seems like the world values things that fade away rather quickly. 
But the value that God places in you and what you do lasts for eternity. Now, again, I know a lot of people say, well, I just, you know, if I just get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy. Well, listen, the Bible talks about rewards. You're going to be glad you're getting some when you get there. And I believe every pastor's responsibility is to make sure that you are equipped, your potential, you know what God's going to bless someday in eternity that you'll get a reward for. And so we find here in verse 10, this challenge from his mother saying to him, this is what you need. It says, who can find a virtuous wife? Now, again, virtuous means a woman of strength. Now, not being able to bench press 300 pounds, but that which is much more important, that stamina that's within a person that makes you who you are. Now, again, I look at this as that challenge from God to remind all of us, not only if you're a guy, what you need to be looking for, but as a woman, what you need to be. In other words, God's saying, this is what you are capable of. I like that. I like when God tells me what I'm capable of. Again, many people grew up in homes or grew up in school where you're never going to be nothing. You're a goofball. You're this, you're that. Hey, listen, God says, this is what you're capable of. Notice what he says. Who can find a virtuous wife? First of all, that by the very statement kind of shows that it's a rarity. Should it be a rarity? I don't think so. I think really a woman of God should be that of that portrays who they are in the light of who Christ is. He then goes on and says, her worth is above rubies, more valuable than any money that you have. Now today, people will gladly give away things that are valuable for money. God says it's the opposite. Money, rubies, those possessions, people are always more valuable than money is. The second thing he says here is he said, the heart of her husband safely trusts in her. Now, I look at this because, again, in any relationship, trust is one of the key things. Trust goes out of a marriage, you're not going to have a marriage very long. If trust goes out of your business, And the people that you have working for you, you're not going to have a business very long. So trust is a very important part, a very important ingredient in relationships, whether in the home, whether in the business world, no matter how you associate yourself with other people, trust is such an important part. Notice he says, so he will have no lack of gain. That element of trust between two people is so important because this sets the stage for home life. Now, again, as we have been studying in the book of, book of Exodus, and we find all those laws that God had given to Moses, people say, well, why are all these laws there? Because God knows this is what you need to have in a society to hold a country together, to hold a society together. Have you ever seen anything more fragmented than the United States of America right now? It's, it's, it's staggering to realize in the age of, the, the, of, of, of non-racism, we have become more of a racist group of people probably in the last year and a half than I've ever seen at any other time. 
And why is that? Because we have forgotten who we are. I really believe part of the communist agenda for the United States, by the way, friends, they're gunning for us. Don't ever think they're not. That Wuhan China thing, (laughs) the COVID virus, do you realize that killed more Americans? Talk about biological warfare. That killed more Americans than all the wars America has fought since we've been a nation. When you stop to look at the amount of people that have died over a virus that was cleverly made by them. And you stop to think about this for a minute. We realize that we're in a very, very fragmented world and we're in a very fragmented country. Well, when a country becomes fragmented, It becomes extremely weak because we hold together. We're not black, white, whatever. We're Americans and we we love God and we have a, a common love for freedom. But friends, that's not the way it is anymore. That's all changed. And so the trust is so important, not only in the home, but in society. The laws that God gave back in Exodus for Moses to govern the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. Because remember, when they were in Egypt, they were under Egyptian law. But when they came out of Egypt, as they went through the Red Sea, they're on their way to the promised land. Now, what laws do we live under? Do we live under the Egyptian laws? Do we live under the Egyptian ideas of their gods and things like that? Or is God going to do something all brand new in our life? That's what God did. So God brought them to Mount Sinai. They all heard his voice. He laid out to them what he expects from them. And then God gives Moses more detail on how society operates in that trust that is needed. Now he says, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now, by the very statement here, it shows that there's the potential to do either. She does him good and not evil. Do you realize that in every one of our lives, we have the potential to make somebody's life better or to make somebody's life worse? And I don't think there's anything that hurts more than to be ignored or taken for granted. Amen? You see, because we realize that we've done something and if no one notices it, This is then how problems begin to happen. You see, this is one of the reasons why I believe it's so important that people understand where these breakdowns come. Ladies, I just want to encourage you, compliment your husband. You don't want the girl at the the, uh, supermarket complimenting him. You want to compliment him. You don't want her saying what beautiful eyes he has when you could be saying that. Guys, it's the same way for you. See, what happens is, is as a lady's going through the checkout stand, groceries are passing by, the guy's putting the stuff in the sack. He goes, gee, Miss Johnson, you, you're just really beautiful today. Well, the next time Mrs. Johnson goes into that store, when she's checking out, she's looking down the aisle. Where's that box boy that said, I, I look good? And so she goes there again and week after week after week till finally says, well, hey, let's go out and get some lunch and let's just keep on going. You see, things just don't happen. There is an order in which they do. Now I can say for believing in Christ, the Bible says building on your foundation, precept after precept, or you can build wickedness upon wickedness, friends. 
You can do somebody good all the days of their life, or you can do somebody evil all the days of their life. That decision for both men and women are true. Now notice again, his mother is teaching him these things. If this woman, his mom, had not been doing these things, he would have went, (laughs) you're just telling me stories, mom. But no, he was very careful in what he said and what she said to him. And then it says, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Now, I realize today, most ladies are not making wool and flax to make your clothes, okay? But back in these days, this is what you did. Now, the thing is, what it says is that she was doing things to provide clothing to provide what her family needs. Now, I think this is really important because it says she works willingly with her hands, not out of grudge, but this is what a good mom does. A good mom takes care of those she loves. And so he says here, she's like a merchant ship and brings her food from afar. She's always out to benefit and bless somebody else. Now, I have found something. The Bible says if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. And if you sow, and if you are a giver, I believe that not only will that come back to you, but I believe it's a supernatural principle in which God does that. In other words, when we give, God in his love sees that. And the Bible says, he that, uh, even when it comes to prayer, you pray secretly, God will reward you openly. God is the great changer of all things. In other words, he can make up the difference. Because I know a lot of times people will say, well, if I give, 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 who's given to me? Let me tell you, God's given to you. That's the way God works. That's the supernatural hand of God in a believer's life. If you're not a believer here this morning, um, you don't have anybody putting back into your life again. And you need that. Not only do you need it in a, in a situation like in church where we come together and every person that comes in this room is contributing to somebody else's life, but they contribute to your life as well. We're not rocks. We're not island. And a rock feels no pain, as Simon Garfunkel's long years ago said. No, no, we do feel pain. And you can be a rock and you can be an island and you're going to have a very, very lonely life. People go, well, the reason I'm a rock and the reason I'm an island is I trusted people that I got burned. Amen? And so I'm never, ever going to do that again. Now, a lot of women have become bitter because they have maybe gone through a divorce. Maybe men doing the same thing have experienced a bad relationship. And so they transpose that on every other relationship they may ever have in their life. Now, first of all, we know as, as, as Christians, we're to forgive. That's the first thing we do. We forgive. That allows me not to transpose those problems on my next potential mate, friend, or whatever it might be. Because again, if we can't start new, we will carry those things with us and they will hold us back and burden us down. A person who loves God wants to bring things from before. They want to bring things into a situation. And here he's speaking about a woman who is not scared to go on eBay. No, I'm not saying that. But not scared to go and look 
for a blessing for her home. She's like a ship and she brings food from afar. She also rises while it's night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. Now, friends, right now, this is radical. What you're reading right now in the Bible in those days for a woman to be involved in commerce is crazy. Because even today in your Muslim countries, women are not involved in this. But here the Bible talks about women being involved in commerce, in business, if you will. Buying fields and doing, hey, look, always having an eye to bless. Always having an eye to help. Friends, I believe again, as Solomon is being taught these things by his mother, showing him that a good person, a person that loves, a good mom, always has an eye for the best for her family. And I, I just want to encourage you, all you ladies. Hey, listen, you know, I know that maybe a lot of times people don't say thank you. In fact, it was such a problem that that's why they set a day aside a year called Mother's Day to simply say, thank you. But isn't it sad that we only have to wait one day a year to say thank you? We're really, honestly, it's something we would say every day. Mom, thank you for what you do. Thank you for all the times you washed the dirty clothes and took care of us and when we were sick. And you think about that. You know, you know I'll tell you something else that I found. Sometimes it isn't till your mom is gone that you realize how much you really do miss her. When you're sick and you're laying there in bed and you're running a fever and she come in and put her cool hand on your forehead and how good that felt to know that you were loved. You see, Samuel recognized, excuse me, Solomon recognized this was a real need because there's not a point, I believe, in our life that we don't need our mom. And even after moms, you're in heaven, your kids are still here unless the rapture comes. The things that you input into their life, they will remember the rest of their life. And when they go to pick a wife, they're going to look for somebody just like you. What the Bible says. So here he goes on and he says, she considers a field and buys it. Her prophets, she plants a vineyard. This girl was a go-getter. She plants a vineyard from the profit she made. She girds herself with strength, strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. And I think that's really good because I think when we do something and we determine, we look at it, there's a, and forgive the word here because I don't want to sound weird, a sense of pride in what we do. You know, a lot of people have the attitude, any old way to get it done. Uh, well, or it's good enough for who it's for. <laughs> well, when it's for your family, it should be the best. It should be that which shows a reflection of love, kindness, consideration, and thoughtfulness in what they're doing. And so it says, she perceives her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. I'm not exactly sure what that means. But I'll let you figure that out. She stretches out her hands to the distaff. That, that's which actually a distaff is what held the flax when they would be spinning it to make their, their um, material. 
And she extends her hand to the poor. Now you look at that. She not only did this for her family, but she did it for others as well. Now, again, friends, I believe that if Samuel was being taught by a mother that didn't do any of these things, I believe Samuel would have said, yeah, right. But evidently he saw in his mom these attributes. And notice he says, yes, she reaches her hands out to the needy. Friends, I believe there's a real glorious part in being benevolent and reaching out to people and helping people. And you know, a lot of times there's a saying, I don't do nothing for anybody that can't do something for me. Well, friends, if you live that way, you're going to find yourself isolated, alone, and bitter. Because it isn't that what you give to somebody that they would give back to you. It's what, when you give, God gives back to you. God is looking for people that he can pour his blessing through out to others. That's the way God works. We're his hands. We're his feet. We talk about that. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We understand that. That's a godly principle. But God, in his benevolent way, knows how to make things from nothing. I love that about God. God defies the laws that we establish in this world. Jesus walked on the water, friends. Kids, don't try that at home. Okay. Jesus walked on the water. He multiplied the loaves and fishes. Now, I look at that. That defies... All the things I know about common law, laws of thermodynamics, all those things, that violates all that. I don't understand that. But I know the Bible says it happens. God knows, the Bible says, what you need before you ask. This is one of the reasons I have such a problem a lot of times with the positive confession movement, where you've got to tell God exactly what you want so God won't do a mistake. Oh my goodness. God knows what you need before you ask. But God knows how to make those things come about. And you know, I've had people always say this. Why was God such a God of miracles in the Bible and today he doesn't do miracles? You're not living close enough to God. Because you live close enough to God, you're going to see him make things from nothing. All my life, I've watched him do this. And people have always come up and say, well, Mike, you always know where the deals are. Friends, I don't know where any deals are. But I know the one who does. And he's the one that will make the difference in your life when you let him do those things. In other words, you, 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 you get yourself into the position where, God, I'm about your work. Now, you do what you want to do in my life. He says... She's not afraid of the snow on Mother's Day. It was snowing out there a little bit ago. In July, we can build a snowman. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know about any of you, but winter is... Don't get, I don't want to get started. Just. She's not afraid of the snow for her household. She bought a house in Arizona. No, I don't know. What, what, 
But she's not afraid of the snow. Why? Because she prepared the clothes that she knew her family was going to need when things get rough. In other words, she has an eye for the future. You know, the Bible says a wise man sees trouble coming and prepares for it. A lot of people don't do that. They wait till the problem is upon them when they decide to fix it. Well, here's where she says she's not afraid of the snow because she's already taken care of her household. For her household is clothed in scarlet. Now, scarlet in those days, that was a symbol of warmth and it was a symbol of fashion. So she took care of him in both ways. She took care of him, making sure their physical needs met, but they still look good. I like that about that. She makes her tapestry for herself. Shows me that she probably had hobbies as well, things she liked to do. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, when you have somebody that works with you, in a relationship rather than works against you. What you can do, how that advances in your life makes such a big difference. I believe that again, as the Bible says, when two walk together, um, great things happen. If they're not in agreement with each other, it's hard to walk with somebody. And so again, he says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. Supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. Now it says here, strength and honor are her clothing. That's not what we find today. We find what makes a person today is are they Gucci? What did they buy to make them something? Not something that they are from within. You see, I I believe again, God here is saying, ladies, This is what you're capable of. This is what you can do. This represents a soft side of the kingdom of heaven through you. I always thought that was interesting. Again, the male concept of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But God, again, gave to women this wonderful ability to bring the soft side of God into a man's life. He says... Strength and honor are our clothing, and she rejoices in time to come. Now, again, I think in time to come can not only mean tomorrow, but I believe also throughout all of eternity. There's nothing worse than living your life, and at the end of your life, living in regret. The wish of would have. Wish I'd done this. Wish I'd done that. We all sound like a bunch of broken washing machines. Wish I would have. Wish I would have. Wish I would have. God says, I, I, I want you to live your life without regret. And that's one of the things in God you'll do. Now, there might be many things, as an example, even my own life, that I regret doing. But the one thing I never regretted is what I've done for God. Because I know that is going to last forever. And one of the things that God endeavors to do through his word is to take us from being uh, in the moment, in the time, to reminding us we're eternal beings with an eternal reward. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to give you a doorway in which you can be effective, not today, but forever. 
And so he says, she rejoices in time to come. She opens her mouth in wit with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Not gossip, not cutting somebody else down, but the law of kindness. Have you ever been around people that are critical? You know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You ever? I got to tell you, when I'm around something like that, it motivates me. Doesn't it motivate you to get as far away from that person as you can? I just want to go. I don't know what you're saying. I don't want to know what you're saying. I want out of here. But the law of kindness changes things. And you know, I, I think it's really important. When I look at the way Jesus addressed the churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, he would acknowledge what they did right and then begin to share with them where they had erred. And friends, I really believe that's a lot of truth. Because if we don't first recognize the good things that somebody does, why would they want to receive any correction from us at all? In other words, you're completely ignorant to any good thing that I've done How can you possibly help me in my life? And so Jesus did that in Revelation. He says, you do this, you do this, but I have this against you. And I believe that really when we look at this correction from God, always will first give us what we did do right. It's an encouragement, but this is where you can do better. God will always tell us what we we did good and then what our potential is. Do you realize you got more potential in you than you think? You know, I listen to a lot of people saying, you know, I never dreamed that when I endeavor to do something for God, that it would, it would just continue to get bigger and bigger. And look at this. And I listen to a lot of people that aren't even Christians recognize that. They start a business and all of a sudden it's huge and they're multi-billionaires. And they go, I never dreamed it would ever turn into like anything like this. Well, why is that? Because I think a lot of times we don't see ourselves in the light of Christ. You know, if you see yourself is defeated, you've done everything wrong. People have been critical for your whole life, these kinds of things. And and, uh, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, guess I'll go eat worms kind of thing. Then I don't believe you're ever going to be where God wants you to be. This isn't motivational speaking. This is who we are in Christ. I can do all things, as it says in Philippians, through Christ that strengthens me. You ladies that are coming on uh, Thursday night in, involved in the Philippians study. An incredible book, Bound for Joy. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But I'm not used to hearing that. I've always been told you can't do those things. But see, God does things different. And because he does things different, we rely upon him. Now, notice it says, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You know, what's the old saying? Uh, Idle hands are the devil's playground. You know, if you don't have something to do, you'll find something to do and quite often ain't good. That's one of the things moms, I think, is real good. I I think that not only did she recognize that in her own life, but if you let kids just do whatever they want to do, man, I'll tell you, last week we had Ryan Reese here. 
And he showed in one of the Disney movies that has just come out what's really going on as far as seances go and pentagrams and devil worship and all that stuff that is being introduced to our young people through the cinema. And names that once really were wholesome family entertainment now are gateways into the occult. And I believe that we don't always get what's really going on. And I believe, moms, you need to always be very much aware of what your kids are doing, even when they're 30. You see, because who's going to tell them? You're going to correct your kids with love. You're going to correct your kids with kindness. You're going to correct your kids with mercy. Let me tell you, the bully on the playground isn't going to. The boss at their work when they're late every day isn't going to. Um, The policeman with a belly club isn't going to. You, You see, you're going to correct your kids in love. And... Idleness means I'm unaware of what's going on around me. And I believe we as Christians should be the most aware of things around us of all people. And I don't care whether it's seeing somebody over in a corner crying in a chair or a crushed cup laying on the sidewalk or whatever it might be. I think we need to be aware of what we are. Idleness is always a better way to go if you want to do nothing. But I don't believe it carries the blessing of God that we're looking for in our life. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Wow. That's a neat thing, isn't it, moms? When you look, your kids say, mom did it right. You know, I remember when I was a kid, um, I, we didn't have a lot of money growing up as a lot of people in the 50s didn't. We had a car. It was a couple of years old. and and um, But my mom and dad, my mom said, I'm not going to have latchkey kids. I'm going to stay home. And so when they come home from school, I'm here. And I remember that we, my dad had to get back and forth to work. He left my mom with a better car. And... Um, Man, I'll tell you, my dad drove some real junk. It was incredible. But you know what? It didn't matter because those cars were long gone. But the time my mom spent with us as kids is still in us today. In other words, there's investments that we make. And we want to look and see where is the best advantage going to be. And I believe a good, sharp mom not only teaches her kids through words, as we're reading here, but also by example, by going to uh, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1, this is what she taught her son. Says this, her husband also praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And here's verse 30, and I think this is so important. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, means for nothing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So give her the fruit of your hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Interesting. The bottom line is this. 
Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But that's what we look at today, don't we? That's how we value a person that's successful rather than what they have done in their heart for others. Friends, I really believe that again for a Mother's Day, for all you moms, that I know that a lot of times nobody noticed what you did. I want you to know, first of all, God did. And that's a good thing. Second of all, when you're gone, I just want you to know that what you did for your kids will ring in their conscience forever. And you say, well, I couldn't give you all the things that the world had to offer. You don't have to. You gave them you. And friends, that's more important and more valuable than all the cars and all that stuff. I am so glad my parents decided to drive clunky cars so my mom didn't have to go out to keep up with everybody else. We drove junk so I could have a mom. The value system is different for we as Christians. Solomon could never have received what his mother said to him if he didn't see it firsthand. He didn't say, hey, listen, honey, this is what you need to look for in a woman. I'm none of these things, but this is what you need. No, I believe the reason why Solomon wrote these things down. And by the way, this is interesting because in this, each uh, verse starts with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet in order. This is, this is one of the ways they would learn this part of their, their school. So this was integrated into their schooling system of what value is for somebody who loves God. This morning, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. And again, maybe nobody else notices, but I want you to know something God does. God sees it all. Dads, I want you just to really consider all the things that your mom did for you and your wife is doing for your kids and just say, hey, I noticed and thank you. You know, thank you are so rare, but so important. And if all we ever say to our spouse is you did this wrong or you did that wrong, they're not going to want to talk to us very much. But I think if you say, hey, thank you for everything you did. And thank you for the cup of coffee in the morning. And thank you for getting that particular thing you know I like to eat. And thank you for making me stop eating the things that are killing me. That usually doesn't set real well with this at the time. But the truth of the matter is, when somebody loves you enough to say, hey, As a matter of fact, I care about you. See, that's what we learned from Jesus. Jesus loved you. And while we were all stumbled, bumbling around in our sins, Jesus reached out and saved us. We didn't deserve it. It's just that God says, hey, as a matter of fact, buddy, I love you. Oh, really? And God says, I want you to live up to what you can really be. I want you to live up to your full potential. Potential, I didn't even know I had that. God says, you got a lot. Depending on who you listen to will determine where you go. Listen to the world, they're going to take you that way. You listen to God, he'll take you his way. And the way God takes you will last forever. Happy Mother's Day, moms. If you're not a Christian here this morning, 
and you realize that you have spent your life on the wrong side of the fence, you realize that you've been beaten down and you need to have your head lifted up, I would invite you to come to Jesus this morning. Because you see, he's the great liberator. He's what you need. And God is the great one who will restore you. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, yes, the same one that died on the cross, three days later he rose from the dead to prove he had power over death, to give us the only hope we have, (laughs) the only known cure for death we have. The Bible says if you'll pray and ask him into your life, he'll come into your life, he'll change your life and make you new. If you've never prayed, you know you don't want another 10 years like you just had. I just invite you to pray right now. And we'll see what God will do in your life. If you know you need Christ this morning, let's just pray and give it to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. Lord, I need your promises to be new to me every morning. I don't want to live in the past anymore, but I want to live new every day in you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And so I ask you now, come live inside of me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life so I'll live with you forever and never be scared of dying ever again. In Jesus' name, amen.